I feel like a grave that turned into a garden just now. I hope you did too. If you're with us online, you're here in the room this morning. Welcome to First Pres on this really cool and frosty day out there, huh? How about that heat? Anyhow, friends, what a great thing to be able to come together and be in this room because what happens when we're together as the people of God, this is what happens. Real relationships happen with each other and with God, and then real transformation takes place. That's our mission building real relationships so that real change can happen. We do it when we're together here in this room on Sundays. We do it lots of different ways the other 167 hours a week. I hope that you'll want to join us in this mission. And meanwhile, for the next minutes here as we're together in this room and online, let's uh, flick a switch and decide we're going to turn our attention towards God so that we can connect with God and find ourselves being transformed from the inside out. If you're new to us and you would like us to know, we'd love to know you're joining us either online or in the room. You can go to this QR code and connect, give us some information about you, and that can help us help you connect, which is the point of being together, having real relationships, having a chance to let God go to work on us as we love each other and love God really well. You notice if you're in the room, you can see the elements for communion. If you are online and you are going to have communion, now's a great time to go get some juice or some coffee or some water, a muffin, a bagel, whatever you're going to have, because at the end of the, the last thing we do this morning in worship is we remember that we've been loved very deeply by God who gave everything for us. We're going to stop now and pray. And there are three people I'm going to mention by name that I want us to pray about, but I'm going to give you a chance to do something. We're going to take a little more time to pray, and I want you to particularly be thinking about one of the central features of what it means to be God's people, and that's this. Hear me carefully. God's people are always on top of everything else that's on our mind. We're always thinking about someone we know, someone we care about, who is far from God. And in the normal everyday ways of relationship building we simply want to change a little bit how we relate to that person hoping maybe down the road some kind of spiritual conversation can take place so when we stop and pray let me ask you to do this who is it who is close to you but far from God who you love and you're asking God to help you connect with that person three people to mention by name one of them, Larice Garcia. Larice has some mysterious response to the COVID vaccine, and she simply is struggling to get well, so we're going to pray for her. In the middle of all that, she cracked a bone in her ankle, so she's got a double whammy going on. I invite you, though you may not be a Florida State person, to pray for the family of Bobby Bowden. What a good man. Bobby Bowden gave the sermon in this church, in this room, right here on Easter Sunday, 2001. And I want you to know that a firm follower of Jesus introduced many of his staff, many of his players to a relationship with Jesus Christ. So we pray for that family. Thirdly, I want to remind you that we never stop praying for Jackie. We never stop praying for Jackie, who was injured, a head injury several years ago on Thanksgiving Friday. She was in Tallahassee and was hit by a car. So we continue to pray for her and her family. So with me reminding you, you're going to have a moment of silence to pray for the person who God may be putting on your heart. Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Gracious God, we pause now to pray for Larice, for the Bowden family, and for Jackie, as we have talked about already. And now we're going to take a moment, and we're going to be quiet, and we're going to aim ourselves at you. And we hope maybe, God, on top of everything else on our life, you will draw a person to our mind, a person who we care about deeply, who you love, and they simply don't know that you love them.
we pause now in prayer. Thank you, gracious God, that through Jesus Christ, you are the one that leaves the 99 that know you to go running after that one person that doesn't know you. Let us be that kind of family where we connect with you deeply and we race to love people really well who don't know they're, they're loved. All this in the name of Jesus, who has already rescued us, who's turned our graves and our lives into gardens. Amen. A few first press happenings, and we're beginning with my colleague, Adam, who is going to tell you about some, the uh, photo opportunity. starting a new ministry called our photography team. Now, this is an opportunity for us to share and promote all the great things that are happening at First Press Tampa, like real relationships and real transformation. And if you're interested, whether you are 14, 40, or 400, or you have a little bit of photography experience, I'm talking about taking out your phone and snapping a photo, or you're a professional photographer. We would love for you to, to be a part of this team. All you need to bring is yourself, and we will put you in contact with a professional photographer that will assist you and help you hone your skills. So not only will you be assisting us and sharing the great things that are happening here, but you will also be gaining a skill set. If you are interested in joining our First Prez photography team, you can reach out to me, McLean, our speaker this morning, or Dina after service. And for those of you that are joining us online, you can also email us at firstprestampa at gmail.com. Thank you, Adam. Awesome. I want to invite everybody in the room who's a woman, no matter how old you are, to take a really careful look at the real event coming up Thursday, October 7th at the Palmacia Golf and Country Club. It is a dinner and a great speaker, Allie Worthington, who is a nationally known person, not a local person. So it's dinner, it's interaction, it's Allie speaking, etc. Every single one of you who is a woman, you are invited to participate in this. You can see if you want to get your phone out and take a snapshot of the picture here to tell you how to do it, how to go to firstprestampa.org and register. Registration is open. It's online. We would love to have you participate in that. Men, push them out the door to the event. Shove them. Volunteer to take care of the kids. And don't give me any of this stuff about you don't know how to do it because you do know how to do it. One last thing we're going to do this morning, and we're talking about generosity. And here's what I want you to know. We've been praying about God leading us to a place where we continue as an interim location for Matthew 25. And it looks like we're beginning to see the answer to it. The great Christians over near Tampa Prep at Beulah Baptist Church, are, are they have said, yes, we want to be the host. And there's some details that want to be worked out. But the host of enabling us to continue to be generous to people who are poor and people who are hungry. And again... That's a mark of the church of Jesus Christ, a mark of the family of God, is that families of God are always generous towards people who are hungry and who are poor. 
Matthew 25 now looks like we have an interim home because there's another big project to have a permanent home going on. Matthew 25 looks like we're going to be at Beulah Baptist Church. We still want to pray about it, though. Thank you for your generosity of spirit, of heart, of finances in order to continue to be the family of God as we move forward in our mission here at First Pres to help people connect and be transformed. Five ways to give. You can see them up here. Continue, you're doing a great job of taking care of all the mission and ministry of First Presbyterian Church. That's enough now of all of this kind of thing. Let's do this again. Let's flip the switch. Reattach to thinking about the Almighty God and let this music take you there.
Good morning. My name is McLean Murphy, and I am on the staff in the session here at First Pres. And it is always an honor to stand up here um, and be with you. And today is no different. I'm so glad to be with y'all. We are in our second week of our sermon series entitled Built. And you just got to see from the bumper video the actual built that is taking place in our church. If you're new, surprise, we're moving buildings. And for the past two years, we have been under real estate and selling this, buying a new place. And now we've got a new home where we are renovating and doing construction. And you got to see just that taking place. You saw our leaders making plans. You saw the actual renovation taking place and part of the new building. And so we are excited. And what better than to do a sermon series entitled Built. See, we want to build a church home, a building that will be used as a tool for Jesus a place where we can worship God together, a place where we can come together in community, a place where we will serve the city of Tampa. But along with the church building, we also want to build our lives in such a way that stands the test of time. We need a blueprint. So actually the backdrop for our sermon series, that is the blueprint for Horatio Street. And the good news is we don't just have blueprints for church buildings. God gives us the blueprint for our lives. When we think about building a life that stands the test of time, we naturally start thinking about leaving our mark, leaving a legacy, and having generational impact. A lot of us probably naturally start to think about our parents or our grandparents, maybe the lessons they've shared, maybe habits that we have, shared hobbies, maybe it's financial generosity. For me, it's all of those things, but I also, when I think about generational impact, I think of the legacy that my grandparents left in a place. In 1972, my mom's parents, Margaret and Sonny Creer, along with five other couples, purchased a plot of land in Indian Shores, Florida, and there they built three beach houses. I've got a picture for you to show you. This was taken a couple weeks ago. We're kind of in our own built right now. We've got some siding work going on, some paint work going on. But these buildings, built in 1972, There's a top unit and a bottom unit, six in all. We affectionately call it sixpence. So for 50 years, we've had conversations, meals, honeymoons, vacations, engagement parties, and adventures, all taking place at these places. Now I want to show you a picture of summer 2021. These are the kids who are currently occupying Sixpence. Most of these are original great-grandchildren. Some are a couple of friends. Yes, they're eating corn. It's a thing. We make corn on the beach. It's their favorite part. Um, And so here is a picture of them. And I think about the generational impact that their great-grandparents had on them, most of whom they never even got to meet. And here they are, the recipients of that lasting legacy. My favorite part of being at the beach is sitting out on the porch. I love to read out there. And often when I do, I think about grandpa, my grandpa, sitting in the corner. Uh, He had this one chair he always sat in, in his bathing suit, feet propped up, reading the newspaper cover to cover. I love thinking that now my kids are on that same porch. They are not reading the newspaper cover to cover, but they are eating popsicles out there. 
But beyond Horatio Street and beyond Sixpence, we want to build our lives in such a way that stand the test of time. And I want us to look in scripture at another building that, just, that does just that. Last week, Bryce kicked off this series and he talked about how the Lord builds a firm foundation. And this week, we're going up. We're going up with a bunch of two-by-fours because God is the one who builds our framework. There be, may be no greater point in history to talk about a firm foundation, a sturdy framework, and blueprints than the building of the tabernacle. I don't know if you're familiar with the tabernacle, but it is a portable tent that is described in the book of Exodus. You see, Exodus is the second book in the Bible, and it's the story of God's people, the Israelites, being led out of slavery in Egypt by Moses through the wilderness to the land God promised them. Exodus talks about God's presence going before them as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And then we come to Exodus 25. And in Exodus 25, the Lord gives the Israelites instructions on how to build a portable tent for his presence to dwell. This passage is an interior designer's dream. God lays out his fabric choice, his color choice, and his wood choice. He leaves nothing to chance. So as I said, it starts in chapter 25. It goes through chapter 31. We're going to read 11 verses because I just want you to get a picture of this. So Exodus chapter 25, verse, verse 1 through 11. The Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings. Accept the contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. Here's a list of sacred offerings you may accept from them. Gold, silver, and bronze. Blue, purple, and scarlet thread. Fine linen and goat hair for cloth. Tanned ram skins and fine goat skin leather. Akasha wood, olive oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, onyx stones and other gemstones to be set in the ephod and the priest's chest piece. Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. We're going to talk about the why in a little bit. Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. Have the people make an ark of akasha wood, a sacred chest 45 inches long, 27 inches wide, and 27 inches high. Overlay it inside and outside with pure gold and run a molding of gold all around it. I have a picture to show y'all of the tabernacle. This is not an actual picture from Exodus. This is a current replica of it. So when God created the world in love, he created it for relationship between himself and humanity. But three chapters into the Bible, we find that that relationship and that intimacy was ripped apart when sin entered the world. But God didn't just let that be. God launched a rescue mission. God said, I am going to find a way to get back in relationship, in community with my people. And this is a part of the rescue mission, the tabernacle, the portable tent where God would dwell among his men in this tent. But my question is, I get why God gave the Israelites the blueprint, but why is Exodus 25 through 31 the actual blueprint? Why do we need to know it was 45 inches here and 27 inches there? 
You see, I think that the reason why they include the blueprint for the tabernacle is because God is trying to tell us that all of scripture is a blueprint for our very lives. He leaves nothing to chance. Just like he led nothing to chance for the Israelites in building him a portable tent, he leaves nothing to chance for us as we begin to build our lives. God gives us two by fours. They aren't very glamorous to look at, but if you begin to take two by fours, one by one by one, and put them together, they will build a sturdy framework. I've got five people. You know who you are if you'll start making your way up. These are my two by four helpers. They're going to help us build a sturdy framework that stands the test of time. I think it's safe to say there are five categories that most of our life fits into, and you'll see them behind me now. Thoughts, time, money, habits, and relationships. Most of our life falls into these categories. Thoughts, how I think about myself, how I think about other people, how I think about my worth, how I think about conflict, how I think about my job and my family. I don't know about you, but this two by four really goes to work on me in the middle of the night. Another one, time. What an essential building block. If you think about it, really every hour is a two by four that begins to build our lives. How do you spend your hours? Have any of you ever been to the Netflix abyss? I remember it more from pre-kid days. My husband Matt and I would wake up on a Saturday morning, turn on Netflix, maybe turn on How I Met Your Mother. I don't know. Next thing you know, it's dark outside. We haven't eaten all day and we've moved swiftly from season two to six. Anyone? Netflix abyss? Months go by. Weeks go by. Time is spent building you. God, are my hours the kind that will build a life that stand the test of time. Money. It's pretty easy to say that we like to live life self-sufficiently. We like to kind of give God the stiff arm. And this takes place really, really strongly in the money area. We like to spend our money how we want to spend it. What kind of life is this two-by-four building in you? Habits. What I like to do, my, my practices, what I work towards, what I'm trying to get better at, my distractions, and relationships. Long term, our lives are the byproducts of the relationships we're cultivating. The relationships we cultivate impact our thoughts, the voices we hear. They impact how we spend our time. They impact how we spend our money. It's our habits, what we do. It's important who we hang out with. We become more and more like the people who we hang out with. It's important who you date. You marry who you date. It's important who you listen to. These voices will shape you. Let's give a round of applause for my two by four helpers. Thank you, y'all can lay them right down. Our default nature is a selfish nature. You see, sin is the idea that, God, I can figure out these five two-by-fours by myself. 
I just kind of let what I want and what I like and what the world tells me is nice, those are the things that are going to shape my two-by-fours. But what if our preferences change? What if what we like is different next year? Have you ever heard something like this? Have you ever heard a friend say, my kid is really into lacrosse? You would not believe the money we have spent on this sport, the equipment these kids need. And our weekends, our weekends are gone. We go to all the travel tournaments. I do miss going to church as a family on Sunday, but it's lacrosse. Like, what are you going to do? Their tournaments are on the weekends. And I do miss our friends, but we're lacrosse people now. We've got lacrosse friends. It's all good. What happens when you build your entire life and your entire family's life on one kid sport? What if your kid changes his mind next year? Now, I'm not demonizing youth sports. I love youth sports. My kids play sports. It's just an example. Are you building and standing your two-by-fours on something that is going to stand the test of time? Are your thoughts, time, money, habits, and relationships something that is propelling your walk with God or sending you in the other direction? Are these two-by-fours something that's going to take you from maybe a new follower of Jesus into a mature follower of Jesus, bringing others along with you to God's kingdom work? Quick personal testimony. One thing that I do when I start hearing this is I'm like, okay, I got to get all my two-by-fours in order. I'm going to get them perfectly straight. School starts this week. I've got the uniform and the backpacks and the lunchboxes, and now I've got to get my two-by-fours in order. My Enneagram 3 personality achiever takes over, goes into overdrive, and I think I have to do it. I have to get it all straight. And God's like, whew, slow your roll. It's not up to you. The Bible tells us that God wants to build a life in me that stands the test of time. McLean doesn't have to build a life that stands the test of time. God wants to build a life in me that stands the test of time. God wants to build the life in you. You see, God offers all these sweet promises throughout scripture that it's not up to us, that it's all riding on his power and authority. He can handle it. I want to look at one of those verses with y'all today. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, the second half of it. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. If you know God, if you are a follower of his son Jesus, then the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, dwells inside of you and makes you new. He draws you towards himself. He transforms us into his glorious image. You don't have to do it. God is at work within you. The theological term for this is sanctification. God is sanctifying us, making us more and more like him. We talk about how our mission here at First Pres is real relationships, real transformation. Real transformation doesn't take place because I try really hard. Real transformation takes place because I surrender to the God of the universe who lives inside of me and makes me new. The pressure is off. So we don't have to be jealous of the Israelites with their 45 inches here and 27 inches there, where to put the lampstand, where to hang the purple curtains, because God gives us a blueprint just like he gave them one. 
God's word is the truth that informs our two-by-fours. It's our plumb line, our reference point. My husband does, uh, is in the technology department at St. Mary's Episcopal Day School, and my family were always teasing him that when he comes home, we need for him to stay in that tech support role. When I can't get my computer to work or the Amazon Fire Stick to work or my phone's working slow, and I get so angry and I'm so worked up and Matt is so calm and he says, have you tried refreshing the page? Have you tried turning it off and back on again? And sure enough, every single time, it boots back up and is op it is optimal speed. Well, the Bible does the exact same thing for our soul. It's like refreshing the page. It's like turning it off and back on again. If you feel like you're spiraling, if you feel like your two-by-fours are leaning, have you picked this up in a while? Because it is the reference point that informs our two-by-fours. It will make them straight, I promise you. Because see, God, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God who gave the blueprints to the Israelites to build the tabernacle is the same God who gives the blueprints for us as we read the Bible to build our lives. I also just want to acknowledge, though, that sometimes there can be a lot of pressure on one of your two-by-fours. I kind of am experiencing that right now. I've got a relational two-by-four, and there is a lot of weight, and it feels like it's starting to splinter. Honestly, at times, the whole structure can feel like it's leaning because of this one thing. It's amazing how we can have one area of our life that's really hard, and it begins to affect the entire framework. But you know what's so beautiful about the way God works? He is not taking out this buckling two by four. It continues to be there. But what he is doing is he is bringing along support beams for me. He's filling in the gaps. Maybe you have a buckling two by four. Maybe you have crumbling finances that is putting so much pressure on your money two by four. Or a habit that's actually starting to look a little bit more like an addiction. God will come alongside you and he will pack in extra support beams to fill in the gaps. He isn't going to throw that two by four into the trash pile. He's going to take the broken pieces and raise you up so that you become more and more like him. So that we are transformed into his glorious image. Because our lives are our redemption story. And our redemption story points to the ultimate redemption story it's the same thing with the tabernacle the tabernacle points to the ultimate redemption story I'm going to tell you a little secret we're going to read John chapter 1 verse 14 the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us the word is Jesus Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us you want to know the Greek word for made his dwelling among us? Tabernacle. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Can you imagine the first followers of Jesus hearing him say this? Wait, so you mean back when our ancestors were wandering through the wilderness and God's presence dwelt among them in a tent... God's presence is now dwelling in you, a man before us, light bulb. 
God became flesh and tabernacled among us. Remember the rescue mission? When intimacy was ripped apart because of sin, he launched the rescue mission because God is a God of relationship and he wants to be with us. The portable tent wasn't enough. So he came as the person of Jesus. God's spirit, the second person of the Trinity, walking on earth. He is the one who informs our two-by-fours. I started us off by talking about the legacy we want to leave, the generational impact. How do we want our children and our grandchildren to remember us? I think we want to be people who built our two-by-fours based on the person of Jesus, based on his very word. He promises to do all the hard work. He promises to make us new. That's something we can build our lives on. What we do now is celebrate. Jesus has taken up residence inside you. Reading again, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, the second half of it. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Jesus Christ, the Word, became flesh and lives amongst us, and that's what we celebrate here. You don't have to do the heavy lifting. You can't do it, but God has taken up residence in you when you surrendered your life to Jesus. So here we have in front of us the elements, the bread, and we have the cup. And for those of you who are watching online, now's the time to get the elements ready for you. Just a brief pause about the way this works. We're all going to come forward when I invite you, and we're all going to take one of these. We're going to return to our seats, and we'll all take the small side, which is the bread. We'll take it together, and then we'll take the juice on the other side together. There are little bowls on the floor so you can discard your empties when we're finished. So that's how this is going to work in just a few minutes. But reminding you, as Jesus Christ abides in us, what we're saying when we partake of this bread and this juice, we're saying, I surrender. Yes, you have taken up residence in me. You make me over again new every day. You make me more and more like yourself, like the person you designed me to be. And I surrender all the two-by-fours to your guidance. Gracious God, fill me with your spirit and with your word that I might be a person that lives the way you want me to live. And Jesus said on that Thursday night, right before he was executed, this is my body, this bread, and it's broken for you so that I can come inside you and build a new life in you. And he took a cup. This cup has juice. That cup would have had wine. He said, and this, this wine, this cup represents my blood that will be spilled for you for the same reason so that when you do this when you eat this bread and drink this cup you are surrendering you're allowing me to come in and take over and build out the floor plan and the blueprint and the trans and the trans the foundation so that you and I can be his sons and his daughters my friends come now eat drink surrender Allow yourself to be taken up into the presence of God. Beginning with the first rose here in the room.
for those of you online as well as us in the room, taking the bread. This is my body broken for you so that I might come to life inside of you. now also the cup. Jesus says to us, this is my blood. It's a guarantee of my transformational love taking up residence inside of you in my spirit. Allow me to pray for us. Gracious God, we thank you that as we have heard, it is generation upon generation. And that's how you meant it. In this room right now, there are four families levels deep of people who've loved you and passed that faith on. And, and all of us together, we need each other. We're the structure that you're using, our family, to bless our city, our neighbors, to make a difference in the world, to love people well so that they know they've been loved well by you, so that they can, in turn, be people who experience your presence and get made more and more into the likeness of your son, Jesus. Thank you that you enrich us. Thank you that you do the work. Thank you that we surrender. That's our part. Thank you, gracious God, that you love us and you've done everything that you can do to bring us back to yourself. Thank you that you made yourself a human being and tinted, dwelled, lived among us. Thank you, gracious God, that you're right here with us and we can then go with the power of your presence and be people that love others as we have been loved. All this, gracious God, in the name of Jesus, who came and lived and died and lived again so that we could be new people. Amen. Friends, as we sing this last little piece, run out there and love somebody really well and do it because you've been loved.